You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Processed. It's been, what, we took one week off there, one episode off, a lot going on because of the move, so I'm all over the place right now. But guess what? Now that I'm settled, I have a temporary office, it's time to talk some Sixers hoops. D-Ray, how was your 4th of July weekend? It was good, man. It was good. I'm actually still down here uh, in the DMV, just visiting some family, so it was good, man. How about you? It was good. A lot of moving. A lot of moving. Had some White Claws as well. I kind of got ripped for my love of the White Claws. I got the new variety pack. Oh, mwah, I wish mwah. you would just admit that they're paying you, man. I they're just, not just... paying me. It's a, it's a phenomenal man. alcoholic beverage. Okay. All I right. want you to All come right. over to the new place, kick back. This morning, actually, my 75-inch TV came in. I'm staring right at the box. I got to open this bad boy up. But when it's up on the wall, you're coming over. We're going to crack into the White Claws. The mini fridge is right there. And we're going to watch some Sixers hoops. <laughs> the mini fridge. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. End of this month. I'm with it. I'm okay. with it. Okay. Yeah, listen. Because we're going to get Sixers basketball back, you know. Yes, sir. Or are we? Well, I don't know. There's I was so about much to say, going I was on. Saying, as soon as I said yes, sir, I was like, well, hold on. This shit still kind of – we still we still trying to figure this out. But obviously, fingers crossed, as of right now, end of the month, man. Yeah, absolutely. And you saw – we'll start with this because you did see – I'm not going to go to the extreme of saying like an insanely high-profile player, but Victor mm-hmm. Oladipo is definitely a rising star, I'd say. I don't really know where to put him because of the injury, but before the injury, he was definitely on his way up. But, yeah. you know, it, he's a higher-profile guy, I guess is fair to say, and he's opting out the rest of the way. And that's important because, well, look, look at the standings. The Philadelphia Sixers and the Indiana Pacers are kind of battling right now. How important is that loss to that Pacers squad? Huge. Huge. It was fun. When he went out there, it was like, it was a bunch of speculation. The Indiana Pacers kind of, you see how, you know, Paul George, you go back to Reggie Miller. It's like they always had these great teams before a lot of guys. It just seems like they just can't get there. You know what I mean? Back when, you know, you had that team of Paul George, Danny Granger. Roy Hibbert was in his prime. They had like it seemed like a mob, but it's just they never quite get it done. And I can imagine he's kind of seeing that and getting out of there before you know the train gets too far off the tracks. But I, I would love to see him in a lot of places. But that was kind of weird. That was kind of weird. How, how'd you react to it? Because I feel like you. Yeah, I was going to say when I when I saw the news. Uh-huh. It was based off of the injury thing. Because he had the big injury, he came back. He definitely wasn't what he once was, but it's ridiculous to expect him to just come back from that type of injury and be a dominant player and take over the league again. So when Absolutely. you talk about coming off of that injury and then being off the floor for three months in a quarantine and then being forced to kind of get thrown back into things, if you weren't really where you were comfortable being from a physical standpoint, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to say, all right, look, here's an opportunity maybe to take this time off and really regroup and recover so when the next season begins, I'll be at least in a better position to get back to my normal self. But he did really mention, and he stressed it, how upset this made him from a competitive standpoint, from a teammate standpoint. It wasn't an easy decision by any means. It's not as if it's not killing him inside because he's leaving his teammates out. And it's just crazy because... They're a fifth seed. They're a fifth seed right now. It's not as if it's an eighth seed Orlando Magic type deal. They're in the mix of the conversation of winning a playoff round or so. So, you know, you know it's going to hurt him inside to to not go there. But it does make sense from an injury standpoint. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just, I'm interested to see where he goes. 
like you know, like you said, it's very interesting from an injury standpoint. They stuck by him, um, but I, I'm very interested to see where he goes because after that, everybody was like, "Is he gonna come back the same? Is it gonna kind of be like Paul George, where it takes him a minute, but he does hit his stride and get back into, you know, a groove?" And I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to call it Indiana curse. I don't want to get too far into it, but it just it seems a little predictable at the same time. Like it's just it doesn't seem like a place where guys. Love it. You know what I mean? They just, Which I is crazy, though, because Indiana basketball. Now, on 97.3 ESPN, Mike Gill and I kind of got into a debate about the Indiana Pacers jerseys. I'm in love yeah. with the blue jerseys with the yellow pinstripes. Like, to me, that's unreal. I love it. Huh. How do you? Yeah, yeah, right? You like it? The ones where they had the, the, the newer ones where they was like the blue and it's like that one stripe. I, I, the, like, the new ones. It's amazing. You So you like the newer one. You're talking about the actual new styles, 2020 basketball with the blue and the yellow down the side. I like the newer ones and I like the classic ones, like the Reggie Miller. Okay, I was uh, talking Reggie Miller ones. I like those. Yeah. I don't like the new ones that you just brought oh, up. Oh, no. I love those. I think it was them. OKC did it. I think everybody should have a uniform with that. It's all one color. And then you got just going down like the left side, like a striper. That shit to me is just, it's so like, it just looked like if if Iron Man, the Tony Stark designed an NBA jersey, that's what the shit would look like. So I, I'm, I'm all for it. So what color would the Sixers ones be? Would it be a blue jersey with red down the side? Probably red with blue down the side. Red Probably with red, blue yeah. down the side. Red, yeah, yeah, because that blue is just, it stand out so hard. But yeah, I think everybody should have, like, they should have a night. I don't know if it's something that's, you know, connected to armed forces or something, but they should have a night where every team wears that jersey. With that, you got one static color, and then you've got that. St- it's just it's just like validation. That damn, I don't know what it is, bro. Well, I, I actually it. saw a picture of Allen Iverson over the weekend going all around Twitter because there was, I guess, like a Mount Rushmore of of uh, influential basketball players floating around Twitter that everyone's like, how can you leave this guy off? How can oh, yeah. you leave that guy off? And Allen Iverson was being talked about. And I saw a picture of him in the white 76ers jersey, and that was so damn clean. Just white with, you know, the AI version of the logo oh my it's hard it's hard hard. the only other one i would say i would like to see the stripe with is if they did the black one and then they had the the what was it like it was like a gold yeah it was like a gold bronze brown concept if that was like the outside like the outline of the uh stripe and then the stripe was just white that to me is just like Hey, maybe maybe we it's do see there. some new uniforms coming around. It does seem like the 76ers put together some nice unis. They had I loved those gray ones with the white stars in a circle. I the loved ones. the uh the cream the ones that said Phila on it. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I mean they've been doing well. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was not a fan of them cream shit. I'm sorry, what? I did not like them. What do you I mean? I don't know what it was about. It's just I like the gray ones because the gray ones was about Rocky. They was kind of like giving an ode to Rocky and all that. That's why they took the uniform pictures like in the ring and stuff like that. The gray ones was hard. Any gray jersey is hard. As much as I hate Georgetown, some of the best damn jerseys in college basketball. Like gray jerseys in basketball is just tough. Um, but yeah, man, those those cream ones just didn't sit well. Well, I just think you're uneducated. <laughs> well, this show is over. So I, <laughs> I just, ah, oh, man, I don't man. know what it is. Everybody loves them. I feel like I'm the only person that doesn't. Well, yeah, well, that should be telling you something. You know what I mean? That should be telling you something. But yeah, the, the reason why the whole All the Depot conversation came up, it's like you don't know 
when this all happens, what you're going to get, Landry Shamit tested positive for COVID-19. You're talking about a really important role player to the uh, to the Clippers, and we are we already yeah. talked about Avery Bradley with the Lakers. You just really don't even know what's going to happen. And when players opt out openly before the season starts, it's a little different than maybe being three games into this eight game regular season stretch, and then one player has to quarantine. You're kind of seeing it right now with the Phillies. We don't know what's going on with Aaron Nola, Scott Kingery, Hector Neris. They're all on this COVID nineteen list, but. The thing is, because of medical reasons, teams aren't allowed to say that they either have it or they don't, but they're just gone for 10 days and not playing. I mean, let's use our brain here. I wonder what's going on at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I Like I said, I don't I don't know. Everybody has their own choice with this thing. I just, for me, I'm interested for these players who are opting out. What does that mean for their future? And that's what I was trying to get at with Oladipo. Like, obviously, it's not the in the end, but it's like, for me, what does that say about somebody's future? And I feel like guys who are saying, I'm sitting out of this right now. It's like, I'm not really, I'm not going to say I'm not interested, but it's like, like you said, it's, it's not really, the future is kind of like, eh. It's, it's, but these are unprecedented times. So yeah, do? I don't. I mean, I sense that a lot of these players who are opting out, they're going to opt out and really get back to work. It's almost as if you think so. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I. It's so hard. Maybe not all of them. It would be ridiculous to think all of them. Well, I don't know if you saw Pablo uh, Sandoval from the New York or from the San Francisco Giants playing third base or not, but he gained like 900 pounds during this quarantine. And people are like, this dude, this dude's going to play third base. Did he do anything this quarantine? Oh, yeah, I'll send you the picture. It's absolutely ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, not everybody, but someone like when you hear Victor Oladipo's statement, you know, he wants to get back to work and make sure that he gets back to his true self and where he was before the injury. I do feel as if those ones that it's really tough to say, hey, look, I'm going to sit home and I'm going to sit this out, but I'm going to come back ready, more ready than ever. Mm-hmm. They, they are going to use this as, you know, a, a time to get back to themselves if they were not where they wanted to be during this time. At least that's what I really hope they would be. But they're all competitors and professional athletes for a reason. They do have that type of motor to make sure that they put themselves in the best position as an athlete. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, hell yeah. Most definitely. I mean, this is their job. It's these guys' livelihood. It's just, it's not only, I mean, obviously they ain't missing no checks, so the money isn't the thing at this point with guys like Oladipo. It's more of a, like you said, I'm a competitor. You know what I mean? I'm going to go out there and play, but. It's interesting. Like I said, these are unprecedented times. You can't really blame them, but I'm just more interested in what this means for the following season. Right. Now, but, the anticipation, say next year, and ESPN puts up a commercial, and it's a Wednesday night or whatever, and it's, I don't know, Rockets versus Pacers. What's what's Victor Oladipo going to be like? You know, now, yeah. like, the storyline of what is this guy going to be is kind of a little bit beefier. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you hear this news? about the second bubble, they were talking about pretty much all the teams that did not make the actual playoff bubble Uh going in their own bubble to play some sort of tournament. Now, to me, that is absolutely ridiculous. First off, do you think I'm going to sit down on my couch right now and watch the Cleveland Cavaliers play the New York Knicks with a lot of these players? Like We're seeing people opt out of playoff runs. How many people do you think are going to opt out of the second bubble? Yeah, that's that's weird. I mean, outside of the guys that really in it for a check or just really just want to hoop, period. I don't for true competitors, like what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like why like you said, the older people, like, why don't I just take this time to get better? 
But unless guys are like really paying for that like last spot on a roster or something like that, it kind of makes no sense. The only reason I would pull for it is a lot of guys in the G League would get an opportunity they couldn't get before. And that might kind of change up how next season looks. That could make next season look that much more interesting. But a, a consolation tournament just sounds that sounds like a lot of wasted resources, too. You know what I mean? Like get a different league down there. Or, I don't know. I don't know. Open up soccer more or something like that. But just to throw a consolation prize in the NBA, like we already know the regular season be some bullshit during certain stretches. So this just sounds like a whole AAU tournament with no prize. Like it's, it's, it's bad. Well, do you Bad. think if a G Leaguer goes off, let's just put him on the Cavs. I'll use these two teams as the example. And, and they're going up against the Knicks, who pretty much has nobody. Like, how much stock do you put into this G Leaguer who might score? You know, not overwhelming. I'm not going to say he's going to mm-hmm. step in and drop 40. But if he steps in and has a nice game of, like, 18, 6, and 6, it's like, okay, yeah, that's nice. But he did it against the New York Knicks, who essentially has nobody in an atmosphere where nobody cares about playing. How much stock do you think these teams put into that? I mean, I think it would be a little more stock than a showcase because it's the actual game. You know what I mean? Or seeing how they perform in game situations. And even though it would be like, yeah, predominantly G-leaguers or a good amount, like you would still have some guys who are constantly on the roster. You know, some of the lower guys who are constantly on the roster. There's going to be those guys that's out there to hoop. So you'll have probably a few stars in the mix. But like I said, I would just like to see, obviously, is everybody who plays in it going to get called up? Hell no. Is everybody who plays in it going to get a paycheck and a half? Hell no. But to see it for the sake of a few guys, you know what I mean? If you go in the tournament, 80 of them are on these different teams kind of split up and eight of them get picked and that's eight more. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm pulling for. But outside of that, a second bubble just sounds like a lot of wasted resources, a lot of wasted time and a lot of bad basketball. Like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the reason why they're not bringing all these teams was because, well, less people, less risk of COVID-19. These players aren't really there with an opportunity to win anything. Yet, we're going to package all these people up in another spot and essentially do the same thing and have them be all together. I mean, I know it's not the same as them all being in one spot, but you're still putting them together in a whole nother atmosphere. The second bubble thing, it makes no sense. The You, you mentioned the players fighting for um, you know spots. Not only that, the money side of things. There are plenty of players not like Ben Simmons, not like LeBron James, not like Anthony Davis who do need money. So yes, you are right mm-hmm. with the money side of things, but I wonder if the TV revenue has something to do with it as well. As if You know what? Maybe I sit here today and go, I would never watch that. But I haven't seen a damn basketball game that was relevant. And not that this would be relevant, but I haven't seen a live basketball game in over three months. Maybe I would check in to see how the New York Knicks are doing. I'm just all talk right now because I think it's a dumb idea. <laughs> I mean, you know it's going to be a bunch of salty-ass New Yorkers watching it because they can't help but watch and complain about that team that's been ass since the 80s. Well, that's interesting like- you bring that up because I had a huge debate about when before we heard any news about the NBA returning. Um, the, the debate was, you know, should we invite all the teams? Should we not invite all the teams? And who I was speaking to wanted to invite all of the teams and just keep it as normal as possible. And his argument was people will watch their local teams. Like people will watch them. And I said, do you really think 
the New York Knicks fans, the fans that have been so disgusted and pissed off for years now, are willing to sit down and all of a sudden watch this crap basketball team after everything they've been put through? I don't think New Yorkers would sit down. If the Sixers were going through the process and had 12 wins to this point, I don't think Philadelphia 76ers fans are hopping on the damn couch to watch them when they return in a bubble atmosphere with no fans more than, say, one or two games. Once they get the the gist of what's going on, I'm sure they'll check in to see what it's like, but it's not as if I need to watch the Sixers. I don't think New Yorkers would be like, I need to watch the Knicks. I'm going to tell you, I disagree completely. There's a reason There's a reason why the Knicks have been ran the way they've been ran for so long. It's because the people at the top know no matter whether this team sucks, which they have for a long time, outside of that, Amari Stoudemire and Raymond Felton, uh, Raymond uh, Belton, I, don't, baby. I don't know what you would call Love that, that. But it was yeah that little flurry they had <laughs> like outside of that stretch for a long time they suck but they still show up they still show up they still show up and the, the management has ran that organization because it's like listen we could suck and we still clearing our bottom line so I honestly think they're loyal enough they don't get me wrong they're gonna complain the entire way but they're loyal enough to watch that bullshit basketball cleveland cavalier fans how many other teams out there they're loyal enough to watch that especially if nothing else is on i don't know about a whole nother bubble coincide with the playoff bubble that shit just sounds like a waste of time and resources like that's like the when you're watching the ncaa tournament it's like those play-in games like come the fuck, you know what i mean or like, the nit no Exactly. Exactly. No offense. The NIT, that's a much better example. No offense, but I don't want to watch that shit. I would be uh, foreseeing a like preliminary tournament. So like those teams, the New York Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the teams that have no fucking shot of making it whatsoever. I'm pretty sure the Phoenix Suns on that list for them to have like a preliminary and that's like the warm up. And then you get into the playoff bubble or those eight regular season games. Everybody's making the damn playoffs. And then you get into it. That to me would be very, very interesting. All right, well, here's my counter, because when the whole thing going on with uh, the top of the New York Knicks and him kicking people out of the building because people were telling him to sell the team and he was pretty much being a ridiculous, ridiculous guy, are people going to the game as fans in New York City, or do you think a lot of these people are just visiting New York? It's a tourist town. They want to go to Madison Square Garden. They don't really know what's going on at the top of the New York Knicks. They're just people going to New York. Hey, let's check out Madison Square Garden. Oh, the Knicks are playing. We're going to go. And people go to these of uh, these games and these events because of what the building is, not so much their New York Knicks fans supporting the team. Ah. It's a great argument. That's a great argument. I can't act like that's not an option. I definitely see that, but something just tells me. I just got, because like every year at the draft, you see the same shit. Even when they got Porzingis, it was like they were there. And obviously they had sucked at that point. So it wasn't like they got Porzingis. It wasn't like, oh, Amar Stoudemire showed up one year and then Raymond Felton showed up in that same year and they killed. And then it was that year following when Carmelo showed up and it's like, oh my God, New York basketball is back and they're going against Miami. And then Porzingis showed up. It was years after that. They had sucked for a couple of years. They get Porzingis. Anybody with sight could see this guy's going to be good. He could help turn a franchise around if you have enough love and support. Classic New Yorker. Start bitching about him the night he got drafted. But what I had saw when I watched that draft was they were there to bitch. You know what I mean? It was like they were there. They were heavy. It was, they had it in spades, but they were there. They had to be there to bitch. And every draft, no matter who they get, when they turn that camera, and I get it, I get it, I get it. They have the resources to get there, but it's like 
they show up. I feel like New York Knicks fans are like that donkey with a carrot in front of its analogy. Like this, just the, the 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 city of New York is just on the Knicks back and just letting them go up this damn hill, and they will never get there. But it's like you know what? It's the fucking chase. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. So I agree with you. But they just they're loyal. They're loyal. They're frustrated. They're loyal. loyal. I got you. <laughs> I got you. I, I just I don't know if at this moment. If they were in the normal bubble, would people be ready to rock and roll with this New York Knicks team because basketball is back? I just feel like they're too frustrated. But I digress. Let's yeah. get into a little bit of some 76er stuff. Ben Simmons free throw video. People are excited. Look at the elbow. To me, I'm done with the reaction of the video stuff. I yeah. felt for that three summers in a row. Can I can I agree that the elbow looks a little bit better? Sure. I don't know if that relates to anything. That's all. It's nice and simple for me. I don't know if it relates to anything. Only time will tell. Yeah, no, that shit was that shit's weird to me. Like, I mean, you you told me about it before we got on. I'm not gonna lie. When I saw the video, I realized I already saw the video. I was going down my feet and I followed the because I saw it and I was just like, eh. Yeah, you know I mean, like it doesn't. The shit doesn't really make or break my day. Is because he's shooting a free throw in an empty gym. Like, it's just it's the same with all of them. Like, we got to see this shit in the game at this point. It's not really how many more videos, like you said, how many more videos can we see of somebody doing something in the gym in the middle of the summer? And it's like, oh my god, our savior, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Every problem we ever had, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, unless it happens in a game, it kind of doesn't matter at this point. The free throw looked great, yes, but it was like. Am I about to go and get like a, a, a 2020 champs title tattoo across my fucking thigh because he's shooting free throw? Like, that's just I, I love it because it shows how loyal Philly fans are. But it's like, let's let's, let's look at this shit for what it is. Yeah, it's a guy hitting a free throw. And I will say, he was <laughs> shooting way better from the charity stripe by the end of everything that went down. So yeah. he was underwhelming totally all around from the free throw line this year. He didn't take the step that I wanted him to take. But towards the end, he was actually knocking them down at will. And that was nice to see. Hopefully that relates to something. But I'm not going to sit here and talk 35 minutes on a free throw attempt like some Philadelphia 76ers fans can totally do. I can't yeah. do that with Ben Simmons. But there was another video that the Sixers put out over the weekend and it was Matisse uh-huh. Thibel. It was very similar to that one. It was just a quick five, six, seven seconds or so, but it was Matisse Thibel and he was just knocking down a jumper, but the hair he was rocking was phenomenal. I don't know if you saw that. You might have to go check it out right now if your phone's in front of you. Have you seen this or no? <laughs> no, he had no, the blonde. No, he had the blonde spot tipped. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, but it, yes, but he had a little bit more fro to him. I've never seen him with this much fro, and then he went with the the tipped blonde spot. Thought it looked phenomenal. Could I you pull that off, D Ray? I was thinking about could I pull it off? Really, I'm dead ass. I'm not even kidding. I would. I'm love not. That. I'm for it for you. I, I'm not for the blonde patch for me. But I don't oh, know yes, how I would do it. I don't know how I would get it done. But I really <laughs> thought about it for like maybe seven minutes. We should 100 percent put a bet on that. What if Not I would this do it? season because it's too unpre- unprecedented, but like next season, we got to have something from the beginning. We got to bet on something rather be the preseason record or and what loser first- has to get a blonde patch. Loser has to get a blonde patch. I'll, Don't tempt me with that. a good time. Maybe it'll I'll land perfectly for like my wedding date next summer. You know, my girl, <laughs> my fiance. See, I got to get used to that. I almost said girlfriend. The fiance, <laughs> she would love that. You know, a little blonde patch right for the pictures. <laughs> I'm for I'm for she would, kill, she, she would kill you. Trouble with nobody, she, would, but... she would kill you, D Ray. Yeah, she would yeah, kill I was about you. to say, I can't. As I said, not for the wedding date, but 
up until that. The bachelor party, you got the blind patch. The next morning, you good. I'm for it. But no, 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 no. Not the next morning. If I'm getting it, I'm rocking it. You know, I don't beat around the bush here. I get it. I'm rocking it. It's part of. I lost a bet, hun. I lost a bet, babe. What do you want me to do? I do. (laughs) And also, I do. Oh, that's phenomenal. There was some other stuff that went on as well. Brett Brown spoke, and this was the quote that got people fired up. The Brett Brown hater, specifically. He spoke about not normally trusting younger players in the NBA playoffs. And, of course, here comes the crowd. What do you mean? What do you mean? How do you not trust your players? Stop. Don't, Don't do that. Don't dive into this the wrong way. It is a very logical statement to say that veteran players with more experience is probably a better option than younger star, younger players without any experience. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, it's not. It's not rocket science. Like you said, I think it's an overreaction, but it takes somebody who already has a disdain for uh, Brett Brown to do that. You That's know all I mean? it it's is. Like, That's yeah, all exactly. It is. You already made your mind up that you dislike him because if anybody else, if Popovich makes that statement, it's like, oh, he has a point, he has a point, he has a point. If Nick Nurse says, listen, I'm going with, you know, Kawhi over Obi, you know, in this situation, it's like, oh, he has a point. I see why he would do that. It's like, listen, at the end of the day, we understand we don't have anybody head and shoulders above anybody right now like that, but I'm still going to trust the guys I was rocking with for the last two, three, four years as opposed to somebody who's just showing up. Not saying they're not going to get their chance. It's just this shit's it's time. You know what I mean? I don't need I can't be guessing at this point as a coach. You kind of got to know what you have during the playoffs. So, yeah, it's not to say that Matisse Thibel is going to get zero minutes and Furkan is going to get zero minutes and anyone who's young is going to get zero minutes. I was I was told by someone who started ripping me apart when I made the simple statement. It, it's a very logical thing to say. Well, that's why Ben Simmons isn't shooting the basketball because he doesn't trust his young player, so he doesn't trust Ben Simmons. First off, it, it had nothing to do with the starting players. He trusts Ben Simmons, I promise you that. He trusts Joel Embiid. He trusts younger starters. It was more about these role players, Shake Milton specifically. He talked about Shake Milton. He said he normally doesn't trust younger players in the NBA playoffs, but if Shake Milton plays the way he played before all this happened, he's excited for what he'd be able to bring to the table because he played that damn good. I mean, it's about these role guys. For example, if Mike Scott is able to play like he did towards the end of things, well, you might have more faith in a Mike Scott because he's a veteran player compared to another player who is younger who might be in his early 20s. I mean, it's crazy to me that people went that heavy. Although, it's you know what? It's not really that crazy to me because I understand how much people hate Brett Brown, but I mean, yeah. come on, take a deep breath and look at this thing. Younger yeah. players compared to veteran experienced players, it's simple logic. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you said it the best, bro. I, I can't even argue with that. This shit's ridiculous, but it's just, like you said, it's people who already made up their mind on him. I get it. If you, you know, you're entitled to dislike him or dislike his coaching stance or anything like that. But to me, like I said, you apply it to anybody else. It makes sense. It's not rocket science. And quite frankly, for all those people who are bitching, my attitude is if you were a coach, what would you do? And if you don't do the same thing, you're probably going to be a coach for long. Well, I'll tell you, you know what, what I mean? those people would tell you right now. I wouldn't do the well, same thing. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, do the same thing. Exactly. See, I, I hated Gabe Kapler when he was the Phillies manager. Are you a big Phillies guy or not so much on baseball? Cas- I, not, not casual? Huge, not huge, but I, I appreciate it. I say okay. that. I hated Gabe Kapler here. Like, I despised so the man. A lot of people. Yeah, but <laughs> I could separate the two because his style 
was yeah. whatever the analytics told him, he just did. He was a puppet. He was doing whatever the front office gave him to do. What the number said, he did it. So when he would make a pitching change, when he would do this, when he would do that, I knew as much as I didn't like Gabe Kapler as a manager, I knew he was just doing what the number said and what, what was told from up top. So when he yeah. made a decision, I could separate, okay, I don't like Gabe Kapler, but that wasn't really his decision. You know, like people can't do that with Brett. It's like they hate Brett, so everything he ever says or does, is it's personal. it's right. It's all Brett. Like you can easily separate the two. You might not like Brett as a coach, but if he says something that makes sense, but you might disagree with it. I mean, it, it makes sense. I just, you know, it's hard for me to wrap my head around things sometimes. But you good, bro. You good. I know. I say, you get fired up. <laughs> I am. It's this cup of coffee. I told you this new coffee machine I got. You hit the rich option, and this shit's got me fuming on this caffeine rush. <laughs> and I have a whole pot left. And when this is over, because look, I got a little bit left in here. I'm not gonna lie. But once the coffee, the hot coffee, hits a, a certain temperature. I'm out. I can't do lukewarm coffee. I can't do cold, hot coffee. It's I'll nuke it in the microwave or pour more. I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. We have a fun article to get into today. Yeah, I like the Bleacher Report articles because I feel like there's some controversy to them. Um, sometimes the answers are, are a little bit funky, but they're reasonable as well. But I like the Bleacher Report articles because it's fun to have conversations about. So they, they actually talked about the top 10 versatile players in the NBA. And I, I think when I saw the headline at first, you know, I figured, okay, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, those are the type of players we all assume would be at the top. And and to be fair, those players are at the top. But I think the 10 through 5 debate is more intriguing. And you also have 76ers on the list. We just don't know where they fall yet. We will get into that. We'll start with number 10 here. And number 10 on the list was Paul George. Did that surprise you at all to see Paul George as the 10th most versatile player in the NBA? When I saw it, it was very intriguing because I was like, all right, well, who is the nine in front of him? Uh, But I I like that. I I like Paul George kind of starting that list off. Like I said, it's only so many guys I would put in front of him. But I think they put him there because his production. Because of, of how versatile he really is and how good he can be on the both ends of the floor, you would expect a bit more, you know what I mean, from a Paul George. But these past couple of seasons have been kind of, you know, hard to judge. And between the injury, playing with Russ, now playing with Kawhi, it's like maybe it's not what it seems to be because he's playing with such a, a star of such magnitude right next to him, who's also a pretty good – like I, I wouldn't say Russ is the most versatile, but numbers say, like, listen, man, he, he kind of does several things on the floor, and then Kawhi is just – Well, one of the options or one of the reasons why they put him at 10, they stated that because he is the second option that limits him in some of the things that he does. So, Mm -hmm. for example, the way that he plays with the Kawhi Leonard, he doesn't have the opportunity for the kick out passes for threes. And when you talk about versatility, you know, it's about everything that you can do. So because he's the second option, he's limited sometimes in things. If he was the if he was the star of a team, he'd have more possessions, he'd have more time with the ball in his hands, and he'd probably be able to do more. But I question, is Paul George overrated? Or do you think that he's he is perfectly rated? Or do you think he doesn't get enough appreciation? I don't know where he falls, honestly. That's a really tough question to answer. Yeah, I was because there's so many different variables. I, I think Paul George is right where he should be. I think he's right where he should be. I, I can't say he's overrated because when, when the time comes, like he is one of the best two-way players. Like to me, 
I would say the best two-way players, obviously excluding people like LeBron, um, well, not people, excluding LeBron, I would have to say Kawhi, Klay Thompson, Paul George. You know what I mean? Like when I think of the best, like both ends of the floor, complete offensive game, complete defensive game, you know, defend probably four out of the five spots on the court. Yeah, those are like the three guys that come to mind. So I would put Ben Simmons in there if he could shoot. If his offensive game was a little more complete, I would put Ben Simmons in there. But calling what it is, complete on offense, complete on defense, those three guys are the top three. But like he says, just between the injury year and then playing with Russ and then playing with Kawhi, it's like I don't think we'll ever see Paul George get back to the point where he was on the Pacers where he's the guy and you're seeing it through and through. But even then, it was like it didn't show up. He just doesn't – he doesn't seem to have that type of personality of just like I'm going to be the alpha through and through. He seems like a I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to be the man. But it's like it's not about dominating through and through. And that's why I could see him fall into a 10 uh, on that list. Yeah, he's a, he's like a perfect second option, though. He's a really good second option. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. he's like a a, a – when you think of Paul George, I don't see him as the alpha on the squad. I think of him as more so that that top tier second type player. But did you see real quick that Jimmy Butler thing where he was talking about being in the gym at three o'clock in the morning crap again? Uh, look, I don't get this guy. All he does is talk about how early he wakes up. I could talk about how early I wake up, but guess what? You know, it's it's not resulting in anything. Well, same thing with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Did yeah, you see? Jimmy did you Butler. see him again? No, no, no. I saw. I saw. Right, it. It, was like sure saw. it was like the three thirty. Uh, sorry. I, no, it's fine. That's it. Hey, no, it's fine. No, That's no, fine. my fault. My fault. That's okay. Um, yeah, man. It's just to me, it's kind of it's the same with all of them. This the, the put up or shut up mentality. Me and you saw that whole thing with him and Sue Bird and all them. And this is kind of like, are you serious? I know. I don't get you know this guy. I mean? like, he's a he's like, a weird dude, man. He's a yeah. different type of dude. But, but he's a bad dude. I know, too. but That's at the same time, I'm like, like yeah, I kind of like exactly. him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, you can't complete. It's not like a Lance where it's like you completely dismiss everything he says because if he shows up. It's like, yeah, <laughs> he did kind of warn us, but yeah, it was like, all right, bro, with this, that's that's fantastic, right? No doubt. All right, number nine, your guy. That's right, your guy, Kyle Lowry, and this is mm-hmm. how. This is what shocked me the most, actually. This it started off by saying the greatest Toronto Raptor of all time. Do you think that that's fair to say? See, here's the thing. Originally, I thought to myself, well, the answer's simple. It's Kawhi Leonard. Because he won yeah. the city a championship, he did the unthinkable, and then he dipped out. But is that the same thing as people saying that Nick Foles is the greatest quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles history? Yeah, because I, I disagree with that statement. But here's the difference. It would be as if... Kawhi Leonard did not play the entire regular season, did not play the entire three rounds, and then had a good NBA Finals. That's similar to what Nick Foles did. He didn't play the entire regular season. He won a couple playoff games, and then that was it. Kawhi was the star of the show the entire season, the entire playoffs, and was the Raptors that entire season. So it is a little bit different. To me... I, it's, it's, I gotta, I gotta throw the semantics in it. Kawhi was the greatest player to ever put on a Raptors jersey. I would say Kyle was the greatest Raptor ever. I just because of, and it's not it has nothing to do with the fact that's my guy and all that. It's tenure. 
there is something to be said about somebody who saw some shit through, who stuck it out during a time where it wasn't exactly easy. Obviously, he was on the trade bubble a few times. He got the extension because he was showing improvement. He was doing it. He was the outright leader of it. Even with Kawhi on that team being like the guy on the floor, there was no doubt that it was Kyle Lowry's team. and He was the leader. Uh, the USA champion, the USA gold medal, like all the things that he's done during that stretch of his career, why he's had on a Raptors jersey has made him the greatest. If Vince had a ring, I would say Vince. That's what I was thinking I too. Vince. Instantly, I was yeah. thinking that purple jersey with that dinosaur on it. Exactly, exactly. If Vince had a ring, and it's, I, I got something. Speaking of speaking of that, I, I got something for you. I, I got to show you some shit. You got a Next, jersey. Uh, I got I got a real nice jersey. Uh, I got a jersey. It's a it's another Raptor, but you won't like it. But um, I won't like yeah, it, bro. Yeah, man. It's it, it matches the, the band. Jeremy band. Lin, huh? Jeremy Lin, <laughs> the goat, the goat. But no, 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 no. That's why I say uh, Kyle is the best Raptor of all time. But Kawhi is definitely the best player to ever put a Raptors jersey on. I just started the most random question in the entire universe. What? Would you rather be Jeremy Lin? All right, so he won the championship, so that's going to... So, take away the championship side of things. Yeah. Would you take that Lin Sanity run over, like, a Kyle O'Quinn career? Or, like, a Spencer Hall's career? Nah, Spencer Hall stinks. Kyle O'Quinn, veteran, <laughs> been, like, been active for years. Or would you take that crazy, magical week or so of being the star of New York and the star of sports? But it's very short. I mean, people think that that was a long time. That was literally... It was less than a month. Yeah, I know. It was less than a month. I want to say it was a solid two to three weeks. Dude, I honestly don't even think it was that long. It just felt that long. I'm, I'm pretty positive it was like seven games. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, to me, I, I've always been about long. I mean, look at my career. I'm always been about longevity. I'm sorry, like if I gotta fucking fly under the radar and just win a bunch, dude. It's like we're both like, role like, players. Like, I think both of our exactly. answers the same thing. Although Jeremy exactly. Lin, he did kind of turn himself into this this role playing guy who is equivalent to Kyle O'Quinn. So yeah. maybe that was a horrendous thing to ask because if you think about it. If we pick Kyle O'Quinn, that's essentially just being a point guard version of Kyle O'Quinn with Jeremy Lin, but you had an actual run of enjoyment there. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. idiots. Me, yeah, no, I don't I don't know. Like those I'm not gonna lie, when you said I was like, God damn, those are two extremes. Yeah. But uh <laughs> Yeah, it's really not. Nah. Hold on. Let's use yeah. logic here. I'm about to say, but the the the, the flash in the pan shit for me has never been. I, I'd rather the longevity in the rings, but I mean shit, Jeremy Lin has a ring, Kyle O'Quinn, unless I'm missing something Kyle Quinn doesn't but I, I take the I take the, the the slow and steady I take the tortoise over the hair any day I'm yeah sorry, but imagine say your freshman year or something in the not in the, the we'll say in the tournament there was one game or Daryl Reynolds puts up 32 and there's some speculation that he's got to be able to do it again but the next <laughs> night you score six but think about that 32 though yeah, uh, yeah. I, just, I hate dying uh, on that. To me, that's the issue. And, that's and I like. the game would have been on Sunday. So then all week long, heading into the next week's games until Thursday, the talk of Villanova would be, would Daryl Reynolds do it again? <laughs> you know what fuck I'm the, saying? Fuck the flash of the pan. Ah. Steady, slow, and, slow and steady wins the race. Ah, and it's about winning the race. You're such it's a role winning. player. I love it. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think who's like. I think the better example would have been like a James Jones from Miami. Like he actually has, a, I think he has like five rings or something crazy. Like he has like, I'm pretty sure it was like at one point him and LeBron had like, they was like, I'm going to show you all the greatest Cleveland Cavalier of all time or something like that. And it was like James Jones is a joke. Like 
I'll take that over Alex Caruso. That's interesting. I, I think there would be a line drawn on how much. If I'm literally a DNP in winning championships, then I yeah, don't no, know if that. you know what I mean. Like there is a yeah. line drawn where I think I might take. 12 minutes a night in an NBA role spot compared to two minutes when it's a blowout game, but I got a couple rings. I, I think I would have to really process this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Jay, he was out there. He was out there. He was no, getting, that's true. He, he was. He was a three-point specialist. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. yeah, I love those guys that just followed LeBron around, but those deep role players, you know? Like, it's crazy to think that this dude was just going around, being that guy yeah. on the bench, and hey, man, he got, won his championship, so who am I to judge? I dig it, I dig it. Number eight. Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul, yes, we all understand versatile. He's been around the league forever. He can do a lot. Traditional point guard. My question bringing up Chris Paul, I'm not mad at him being number eight by any means, but the real question is how much time is left for this guy? Not a lot. Not a lot at all. I I was intrigued by that. I see why they did it because of the things that he can do on the court. Um, he actually kind of rebounds pretty well for somebody his size. Obviously, he could, you know, stretch the floor. He can hit a consistent three. He can drive. But I, I didn't like that either, especially for where he is in his career. That was just kind of, I don't know, it seemed like it was clickbait. Oh, you don't you don't like Chris Paul at eight? No. You don't like – would no. you put him lower towards one more or – No, no, I'll put him high. I oh, would, okay. Like, I would – argue a Paul George needs to be in front of a Chris Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I think yeah. maybe because of age, but in terms of like versatility, you got to factor in positions as well. Like I don't think they look at Chris Paul and be like, "Okay, this guy's versatile. He can guard five. You know what I mean? He can guard the yeah. center position." So, you know, I it, it is tough to to do that in terms of versatility on the defensive end because that means you leave all guards out because they can't guard the five unless your name is Ben Simmons. What? Who said that? But, you know, <laughs> it, you got to kind of give and take a little bit. Number seven was Chris Middleton. And that one, I don't really like that much. I'm not saying Chris at Middleton all. is a bad player at all, but they even brought it up here. When it comes to the defense, it's not that he's a bad defender by any means, but with Wesley Matthews, Bledsoe, the Greek freak, Brooke Lopez, this guy, it's not as if that he has to be this insane lockdown defender. So if you talk about versatility I get that he's not a bad defender but he's not forced to defend these elite stars which you know it takes away from this conversation if he was going up against the league's best every single night well then yeah I think it's reasonable but he's not and he's he's very close to a 50 40 90 club which is impressive don't get me wrong but this yeah. is what this is my biggest uh, debate when it comes to Tobias Harris. Chris Middleton averages about 21 points per game. And this fascination with Chris Middleton. He's this great player and he's phenomenal. Look, he's having a great year, no doubt about it. But Tobias Harris is averaging 20 points per game. And sure, some of his numbers are a little bit different. He shoots a little bit less from three and l shoots less from the free throw line. So yes, the numbers statistically are a little bit different. But you know, you're talking about the second player on the Bucks and Chris Middleton getting 21 points per game. You're talking about the third option for the Sixers getting 20 points per game, and Tobias Harris gets ripped apart here in this city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that sounds a little biased just because of the team that he's on. Let's call it what it is. But I get it. I like Chris Middleton. I think he is very versatile. I don't know about that high on the list, but I'm with you on the fact that it's like it's pretty much neck and neck the same guy. It's just someone's around a bit better company or maybe just a a more together team. I'm not going to say better company. I well, say we talk about team. Paul George being in that second tier of guys. Um, 
I would say that Chris Middleton is also in that second tier, that second guy. Okay. But Paul George is by far better than Chris Middleton. Yeah. Right? I mean, Paul. Jo- I'm far. taking Paul George on my team over Any Chris day. Middleton next to my star. Any day. I know, right? So that's ridiculous. It definitely absolutely is. And this is where the two 76ers on the list. That's right. The two 76ers come in. At six, it's Ben Simmons. At five is Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid is the only true center to make the list. So we'll start with Ben Simmons. Uh, Pretty much what they got at here was he has no threat of even pulling up for a jump shot. And he is still that difficult to stop. They go on to say if this guy can shoot at one point in his career, we're talking unstoppable essentially. So... Yeah, Ben Simmons, versatile. They praised his defense. He's absolutely versatile. It's really nice to see Ben Simmons make this list because it is true. It's it's very true. The fact that he can't shoot and the dude is averaging very similar numbers to players who can shoot throughout the league and start, may I add, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's amazing, bro. I, I don't I don't see I don't see too many guys being ahead of him i'm trying to think like well i will say the the offense yeah okay not talk about the list because i was gonna say in terms of versatility yeah i think the the shooting definitely holds him back a bit from being even closer to one on this list no doubt because it's obviously such a big part of basketball but the fact that you can be six on a list but once again look if we're going to be critical of a chris middleton or chris paul being where they are there's people looking at this list going really ben simmons like if we're going to be critical of other players on this list we got to keep it 100 and say all right is ben simmons in the spot he should be or is it similar to where we look at chris middleton and go hold on a second i'd rather have paul george yeah I yeah. wouldn't. I'd wouldn't rather have Paul George. By the way, I would rather Ben Simmons than Paul George. No. But there's plenty of people out there who would probably go with Paul George over him. No, nah, yeah, I would say uh, maybe a year ago I'd rather have Paul George because of where they are in their careers, realistically. But as far as like pound for pound, no, I'm going with Ben Simmons. But like I said, it makes sense on this list. I kind of see it, but in realistically, I, I can't think of too many guys who are more versatile than him because of the passing ability more than anything. You know what I mean? And when you said Joel B was the only true center, I immediately thought of Jokic, but it's like he has the passing. He can shoot a three, obviously. He can kind of stretch it, but it's like he doesn't have any athleticism. He doesn't have a crazy post game. He doesn't have a bunch of moves. And to me, that plays in – your offensive completion does play into your versatility. And Ben Simmons, to me, like I said, if he had a jump shot – he would be at the top of this list. Like, to me, him and LeBron would be 1A and 1B at the top of this list. But I get it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I love the fact that Embiid was the only true center. And the entire time when it talked about what he can do offensively, it talked about the post-ups. Ha! Huh, are you kidding me? Joel Embiid and post-ups. If you heard people around this city, there's no such thing. He never posts up. I don't think he's ever yeah. posted up once in his damn career if you ask these people around this damn city. The knock on him, though, uh, passing. Passing the ball out of the post and passing mm. in general. When that double team comes, he struggles. I mm. think he's gotten better. But when it comes to versatility, he definitely needs to work on that passing. So I, I love the fact that, look, the people that want to trade Ben Simmons every year. And, and the reason why I attack these people that always freak out about the Sixers is because it's so asinine to me. You're talking about Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, players who are constantly making these type of lists. Yet after a playoff run, get rid of this guy. They'll never work. Stop. 
The word is patience, but people do not have that. So to to finish off this list here, we're not going to dive into details on them at all because it's kind of what we expect. Anthony Davis at four, LeBron at three, the Greek Freak at two, and Kawhi at one. Where LeBron is at in his career, I totally understand. Uh, Like I said, I think it's interesting to kind of go through the 10 through 5 more so than the top of the list because there's more people you can kind of move around. A couple people who did not make the list, though, before we end right now. It it slipped my mind until you brought his name up, but how the hell did he get this much disrespect? Clay Thompson? Are you kidding yeah. me? That's way I had KD wasn't on the list, but I think because of the injury, he's not in play because obviously we can agree that he's very versatile. No Tatum, yeah. no Pascal Siakam. But you know what? You mentioned Clay Thompson. Wow. I'm almost in shock that one, I didn't pick it up. But two, how is he not on a list like this? He's a he's a top. To me, he's a um as far as two-way players go, he's a he's a top five of all time. Like he, I don't think that people. His defense really, is elite. The fact that he I'm can shoot say, the way that he does, his defense is elite. Elite. It like you, I I can't think of any other shooter in history of the game that has the defensive power. That exactly. Like, you normally get the Kyle Corvers, which hey, stand yeah. there, shoot, and and phenomenal at it. Else. Yeah, you're gonna get abused on the other side. Yeah. Don't do shit else. But like, come on, man, that shit to me is just. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. It like, is. You know, Clay Thompson is just, he is to have, because I think it gets lost with Draymond Green and just the overall, like Andre Iguodala, you know, Sean Livingston, the overall continuity that they had on defense as the Warriors. But it's like, Eggie, my you ass. know basketball, and you watch him guard somebody one-on-one and the assignments they give him night in, night out, he's still down there dropping 30s off of 10 three balls. Get the fuck out. I know, dude. All right, we'll, we'll end the podcast on this question. Because I love bringing up debates I have with my buddies. If you couldn't tell, I'm always firing off. We're just freaking out. Group chats going off. What do you think this? No, you're an idiot, bro. Well, I know that, but you're an idiot too, you know? (laughs) Do you think if Clay Thompson was a star of a team that they would be winning NBA titles? Like, if you swapped Steph Curry out with Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson was the guy of the Golden State Warriors— do you think that they are, they are good enough to win championships, or is he another second-tier guy? But he's way over Paul George. I mean, I yeah. talked about Paul George being at the top of the list. Now it's like I'm finding players in that tier. Clay Thompson, by far better than Paul George. So you don't think that Clay Thompson is good enough to be a star of a show? I think he's no, good enough to be a let star. Me, let me give you this. Clay Thompson, Paul George on a team together. Can that, with a proper team built, win a title? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've never seen anything like that. I think they can win together, but I don't think Klay Thompson being at the helm of a team by himself. I think him, like the Warriors are the perfect example of a team that won by a committee. Everybody brought something to the table. They broke it down. It was enough for a champion. It was enough for a dynasty to call it what it is. Once you added in KD over those couple years, it was looking like, but everybody was catching up. But uh, no, Klay Thompson is a great number two. You know what I mean? At, At the end of the day, like Steph was what he was. Klay Thompson, because I think his versatility on both sides, it, it makes him, you know, the, the perfect number two. I wouldn't go as far to say as Scottie Pippen because Scottie Pippen was a number two to Jordan and Steph ain't Jordan. But it's that type of thing. It's like as nice as it is to see, as great as it is to see, let's be honest, you, you need just a little more something to, to create a championship. But let's give him his flowers. That's a bad motherfucker. Like oh, Clay yeah. Thompson is a bad motherfucker. Oh, yeah, dude. I love him. I can't wait to see what he <laughs> is when he comes back. We talked about all the depot in the beginning. What's he going to be like? I can't wait to see what Kevin Durant's like. Clay Thompson. You know, these guys who had gruesome injuries. What are they yeah. going to be like when 
we get to actually see them play again. So, um, yeah. so yeah, hey, look, another episode of Processed is in the books. Now that I'm here, kind of set up, I'm temporarily set up, but we will be talking basketball. And it does seem like the Sixers news and the NBA news is slowly creeping in where it's coming. It's coming. Hopefully, yeah. though, COVID doesn't shut us down. So, thank oh, you, guys. Things crawl. Yeah, I know. I know. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Processed, and we will see you next time.